Welcome back to the Andrew Oman Show. Hey, thank you so much for connecting. Thank you so much for listening or watching wherever you're connecting from. I just want to thank you for that because it is episode number five zero. That is right, episode number fifty. Can you believe it? We're already here. I mean, I'm going to answer a question. Uh, talking just about the journey of, of this podcast, but I'm extremely thankful to everyone because, like, literally, it is impossible to do this without you. Meaning, I wouldn't be doing this without you. If no one was listening, why would I do this? But I want to thank people like you that have just poured so much time listening to this content and sharing it. Make sure to share it, to subscribe, and everything. So I just want to thank you for that. In today's episode, since it is something, um, and it's something special, we're going to spend some time and answer your questions. So if you never got a chance to submit your question, make sure to follow me on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, follow on Facebook is the Andrew Oman Show. Even on Twitter, you can follow me. If you, I, I'm not, I don't tweet much, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. On Instagram is uh, my my handle is Andrew T Roman. T is my middle name, and if you know that, you get. High fives, I guess, or extra points. I was gonna. One one day we'll do giveaways, man. One, one day we'll do giveaways. So I'm gonna answer your questions. We're gonna talk about failure. We're gonna talk about sibling rivalries. We're going to talk about the journey of this podcast. We're gonna talk about government and Christianity and do those things mix and all that stuff. It's gonna be fun. Don't miss a minute of it. You know, talking about failure is the first question or the first topic. Um, Adi submitted this. She put thoughts on failure. Well, my first failure has been witnessed by everybody who has watched this podcast. It has been my my choices of tea. Yes, it has been a complete failure. Black tea threw me off because I left the bag a little bit too long in there and it was just bitter. Like, I mean, mm, yeah, yeah, that that that's some tea for you. But today... I have some brand new tea because I want to thank one of our listeners who gave me a whole bag of good old tea, told me all the intricacies and all the details and the delicacies of tea and told me how to do this. So today I am, I'm, what am I doing? I'm drinking some beautiful tea with a beautiful mug. I feel like Trump. today, quite frankly, quite frankly, today I'm drinking a beautiful tea. Quite frankly, the best tea I've ever tried, and I've tried many, and I'm drinking it from the best mug, and I have a lot of mugs, more mugs than probably anybody else, and I'm drinking it from a great mug, great mug, great mug. Yeah, that's my, I don't know what you think about my Trump impersonation, I think I think it's pretty good. So I'm drinking this from my Punta Gana mug, and we're going to try a Irish breakfast blend with a hint of creamer, and a hint, I should say an over hint, because I like, I spilled a little bit too much maple syrup in it, but let's, let's give it a go. Oh, that's good, man. That's that's sweet. That's that's sweet. Like like literally sweet. I think I put a little bit too much maple syrup, but that's actually drinkable and that's actually really really good. So I might give this another go. And if you notice, if you're watching on YouTube, my little mug has a little little spoon that goes with it. Yeah, I know I'm showing off. So let's get right into it, man. Thoughts on failure, especially coming up from a year like 2020 where we might see it as failure and in many occasions maybe you failed at least to meet your goals i failed to meet my exercise goals even though i walked a lot during the quarantine but i didn't exercise much right or i failed to meet some other goals and and maybe it's more maybe more profound failures in your life or in my life right it could be a failed relationship 
It could be a failed business, a failed idea, fail, failure in school. And how do we handle that? Well, the first thing is we have to acknowledge something. Because a lot of times when you hear pep talks about failure, it can be like, you know, failure is the greatest teacher and just go for it. And even if you fail, and it kind of gives us a, if like, I agree with that, but it gives us a, a false sense of that failure doesn't really hurt. No, failure sucks. <laughs> can we just like be totally honest? Failure stinks, man. Like failure hurts. Failure actually affects people. And I think that's the first thing of understanding about failure is that we have to learn how to handle it and how to face it. Because failure, a lot of times we can wash over failure and think, oh, it was no big deal. But the people, there are people who know that failed, that we failed. And those are the people that we hurt through our failure because there are failures that has grave consequences. Think about someone who failed um, in their in their fidelity and their marriage, right? There's grave consequences there. Or think about someone who failed the business and can no longer pay pay um, their employees or think about the government who, who failed in many things last year. Okay. All right. I, I'm not going to rant. I promise I ain't going to rant this time. So that's the first thing is acknowledging that, that failure does suck, but it's not the end. Conrad Hilton. So the founder of the Hilton hotels, if you've ever slept in one, I actually work in one said success is never final and failure is never fatal. I'm going to say that again. F- success is never final and failure is it's never fatal. You see, there's never a failure that you can't come back from, especially with God. God is a redeemer. So we shouldn't be afraid of failing, even though failing sucks, because sometimes to fail less, we have to fail more. Now, what do I mean by that? That sounds like an oxymoron. Fail more to fail less. So that means the more you fail and you learn, then the less you will fail. So one important note, though, is just because you failed doesn't mean you learned. Again, this is a complex issue. You thought I was just going to say one thing about failure, like get back up again. Nah, fam, this is complex. Think about it. Just because you failed doesn't mean you learned. So my question is this. I'm sure you failed a lot. I failed a lot. But have you learned a lot? Or have you not taken the lesson and now you're going to fail again? Because there's some hard-headed people out there, and I don't want to be a hard-headed person. I don't want to be what a Bible calls a fool or a wicked person who it's who Proverbs 24 10 that says that they get destroyed by a calamity. Instead, it says for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. So there's another point about failure is failure is going to come. It's not a matter of what if it's a matter of when, but getting back up again, that is a matter of if everybody fails, but not everybody gets get back, gets back up again. And another important point as we move on is that your identity is not tied to failure nor to success. I believe I want I have to remember who said this, but I heard it might be Ravi Zacharias, but I have to remember who said this, that he said, if, if you let success get to your head, failure will get to your heart. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. That just hit me even when I said it. If you let success get to your head, failure will get to your heart. So you, you, you have to understand that your identity as a person is not tied up in your achievements. It's not. It's tied up in your identity as a child of God and your value as being created by God. So if you're a young person like myself and you haven't really lived much of life yet, I mean, maybe you're in your 20s and you live some, but there's still much to go. Don't be afraid of failing. But at the same time, don't be so not afraid of failing that you just don't care about failing. People just say, live and learn. Uh, no, I'd rather live from those who learn. Like, why do I have to fail if I really don't have to? I can just learn. 
So those are a lot of different thoughts, but I hope that at least you can apply something with it. You know, another failure actually moves uh, with the second topic or question. Um, Analilia is saying, maybe talk about sibling rivalry, how to honor and respect your siblings, especially if they are teens. Yo, that's, that was one of my failures on my part, especially in my younger teen days. Uh, if, you, if you're a listener of this podcast, you know that with my relationship with Chris, was not always the best. Uh, in, in fact, I think I, I messed up a lot uh, with that. And now now God is so good. It, it has been restored. It's not perfect, obviously, but it's been really restored. I brought him a smoothie today, boys. You know relationship is restored when your homeboy brings you a smoothie. Amen? Amen. Let's continue. So my relationship with God, with with Chris wasn't always the best in my early teen years. And I had to learn some things to actually help and make that better. The, the first thing that I had to learn is to stop seeing everything through my eyes. Like start seeing things through the other person, through your brother's eyes because or your sister's eyes. There's nothing worse. I mean, there are a lot of things bad, but it is terrible when you have a bad relationship with your siblings. Like it's actually a bad thing. Like people try to pretend like, oh, it's no big deal, whatever. I just, oh, we're just teens or whatever. No, no, no. It's, it's bad to have a, a bad relationship with your, with your sibling. God doesn't want it that way. And there is something that you can choose, something you can do to change that. One is to change your perspective. Don't think that the world revolves around you. You see, rivalry stops when you recognize that what you are demanding is not in low supply. You see, sometimes there's rivalry when there's a high demand and but a low supply. But if what if what you're dem- what you're fighting for is attention or you're looking for for time from someone or this, guess who has that a lot? God. So w- w- when when you don't when you realize that you don't have to fight for people's acceptance, you don't have to fight for their acceptance because the moment you try to prove yourself, at the same time you're disproving someone else. So when you try to prove yourself, you're, what you're also doing simultaneously is you're disproving someone. That happens a lot in, in siblings, right? You, you want to try to prove yourself and be bad, and that usually happens when you try to put someone down, and, and that happens with in rivalry between siblings. So I, I, this is something I don't want, never want to speak from a place like, oh, I've totally achieved this, and I, I know how this works. No, no, no. I'm learning to honor right now. I'm learning to honor my siblings because there comes a point where, you know, maybe you're younger and you're just kids, you know, but you, you, you come to a certain age where you actually have to make a decision to whether you want to invest in your relationship with your siblings or not, because I'm a very social person and I love hanging out with friends. And there was a time when sometimes I wanted to hang out with friends and more than family. Have you ever thought, have you ever related with that? You're like, oh, you can't hang out with your friends, but I see you guys all the time. It's like, oh, why am I always with you guys? I'm I, like, I grew up with you guys. Let me just go hang out with my friends. And okay. But I realize that family comes first. Why? I, I don't want to spend more time investing in a relationship with someone like a, like a friend more than my siblings. Now, I understand. I want to be sensitive. I understand that there, there are things sometimes outside of our control with our siblings, right? Maybe they moved out, maybe they they have a rough life and they've moved out and they never talked to you and, and et cetera, and you have a horrible relationship. But there are things that you can do. You can forgive and you can even honor. So if that if you kind of find yourself in that situation with your siblings, you have somewhat of a rivalry, it's up to you whether you want to change that. First, change yourself 
and then things will begin to change. Hey, let's answer the next question from Nick. And by the way, Nick has an awesome podcast called Vantage Point Podcast. So definitely check that out. Um, how has the journey been? Man, it's been a good journey just about this podcast. Um, you know, when you're in the journey, it's never as you thought it was going to be. Uh, sometimes in a good way, um, but and this is what I mean by when I thought, oh man, I just, I just want to record podcasts. It's going to be super easy. It's just going to flow all the time. And I'm just going to always know what to say and everything. Uh, episode number 50, man. And I'm sometimes I sit, I sit down and I'm like, God, I don't know if I want to record a podcast. I don't I want to do something else, like really record another podcast, but God is so good. I've been super blessed. Thank you for asking that. I've been blessed because of y'all's support. So thank you for that. And and really, the journey is still going, man. The journey is still going. I realize as we've said this in this podcast, choose your heart. It is hard to have a podcast. If you've never had one, you probably don't know, but Nick at least knows because he has a, he has one. It's hard, but uh, I'm excited because it's, it's done through God's strength. Uh, I want to talk about, let's see, the next question over here. Um, why do Christians tend to mix religion with the government? Uh, this is Oscar asking, hey, Oscar, thanks for listening to the podcast. Why do Christians tend to mix religion with the government? This is an interesting question. It kind of points a little bit to the whole conversation between the separation of church and state. Um, man, this is going to be fun. Well, first of all, um, when when you ask why do Christians tend to mix religion, uh, the truth is everybody does. Everybody mixes. And if by religion, you just mean your religious beliefs, meaning your your beliefs, your ideological beliefs, your worldview, your, your world perspective, your values. Um, everybody does. It's not just Christians. Everybody mixes their beliefs with everything. And that that includes government. So yes, you have you have Christians who, who mix their um, their beliefs with with the government and when we get certain laws. But then you have, for example, I mean, one of the greatest examples of this is let's just call, um, you know, Roe versus Wade and or Roe versus Wade. And this might be a sensitive subject for some, but with abortion, we know that's not what God intends. It's actually a sin. And the reason that abortion was not legal at that time, and it wasn't legal to kill an unborn baby, is because the whole idea of unborn babies having a life and having actual value came from Christians mixing their beliefs with the government. Likewise, or on, on, on the flip side, is when naturalists and people who, who didn't believe in God or even people who, who didn't believe it in the sanctity of life, they mix their beliefs with government, and thus we have Roe versus Wade. Thus we have abortion is legal. It was supposed to be safe it was supposed to be safe, legal and rare. Now it's definitely not rare in, in the country. And and obviously we know that in, in 2020. So the question is not whether you're gonna mix your beliefs with government. Everybody mixes their beliefs in government. Actually I'm quite happy when Christians mix their beliefs with government the right way. I mean, think about this is an example of this country. This country was founded, all the 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 principles of 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 God above government, the principles of everyone having the same value and being created equal, that we were all created equal. All these are because founders mix their beliefs 
with government. And a lot of those beliefs were, were founded on the, on the philosophies of, of Jerusalem and, and the worldview of God existing and all the morality that comes with it, as well as Athens. And the philosophy, by the way, there's a great book called The Right Side of History with Ben Shapiro, where he really breaks down kind of this, the, the two cities that founded our, our own country. So pretty fascinating. Um, so when, when you say, why do Christians tend to mix their religion with, with government? Like I mentioned, everybody does this. The, the reason that you don't, that creationism is not, is no longer taught very much in schools is because naturalists and atheists mix their beliefs with government. And now what you, what, what you call the monkey trials, right? The monkey trials were, uh, Darwinian, um, teachers, from what I understand, you can correct me, that, that, that complained and sued schools that they were, that evolution was not being taught and that it was actually, an act of discrimination against um, against the evolutionary theory from not being taught and that it should be taught as well as creationism and that you, we should give everyone all multiple choices. Well, now it's the flip side, right? The only thing that's really taught and accepted is evolutionary theory and not much of creationism. So everyone everyone's doing it or the reason that as a teacher, you can't share about God or anything like that it's because someone decided with their beliefs to apply it and um, apply it into law through government. So one of the things that, that's important to understand is also the, the combination of church and state. I mean, Jesus never, again, we, we have to also understand that we never want to mix our religion with the government in the sense that we want to make government God. Not at all. Government is not the be-all, end-all at all. Actually, I have a great podcast about this with Nico Ruiz. It's one of my first ones where we talk about the place of politics in our lives. And yes, I mean, you, you have to understand that Jesus transcended government, but at the same time, Jesus transforms it because government is people. Government is just a group of people. Government is is a it's just a bunch of bestowed power in people to operate that power. So when we think of a government, we think about it's not a robot. It's just a bunch of people and systems that people operate. So every person has a philosophy. Every person has an ideology. I'd rather it be a Christian with biblical principles operating uh, the government than someone who's not. Because also Christianity has opened up the world and the whole idea of freedom of religion or freedom of thought is 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 a is based on values that are based on Christian principles, because as a, as a Christian, we're not here to force someone to believe in Christianity. Actually, you can't do that. It's it's a it's a choice that you make. It's a choice that you make to believe in Jesus, right? Um, so let's talk about church and state. I think that's going to help answer this question as well. There's a misconception about this whole thing about separation of church and state. It is not in the Constitution. It's not even in one of the amendments. It's not in any official paperwork where where someone, of one of our founding fathers said, hey, do not mix church and state. No, that's not, that's not what I would say. Actually, it was a letter from Jefferson, Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Association, which Jefferson declared that they should build a wall of separation between the church and state. And this was done not, not to keep the church out of the state, but to keep the state out of the church. I'm going to say that again. The separation of church and state was not to keep the church out of the state, but to keep the state out of the church. What do you have? What, what happens when you don't keep the church, the state out of the church? Nazi Germany happens. Yes, atheistic and the communistic Russia happens 
or you name it, it gets pretty, pretty ugly because then government uses the power of religion to bring in its evil means. So I hope that people do mix their faith with politics because what ends up happening is you you get the bloodiest century ever when you don't when you let atheism and naturalism rule. That's what happened in Nazi Germany and Stalin's Russia and Mussolini's Italy and Mao Zedong's China. You name it. 20th century was the bloodiest century that we've ever experienced. And that was because we let people's beliefs combined with religion and let naturalism and atheism rule instead of us Christians stepping up to the plate as well. Talk about Bonhoeffer. That's a great example. So I hope that you got um, you got some insight at least into some of the things that we talked about. And um, we'll, we'll see you on the next episode. Make sure to submit your question next time we do it. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you.